I'm Talib Vizram and you're listening to Fast Break, your weekly source of inspiration and motivation in these uncertain times. This week, we'll learn how a couple of companies are taking sustainability to the next level and get some new tips on staying comfy this fall. This is your Fast Break. A couple of weeks ago, we did a segment on pollution in oceans. We looked at the waste caused by all of the personal protective gear people have been using since the pandemic began. Today, we'll hear from someone who has been working on keeping plastic water bottles from entering the oceans. Here with me is Rich Razgatis, co-founder and CEO of Flow Water. He goes by Raz. Welcome to the show, Raz. Caleb, great to be on here. Thanks for having me today. So give us a little bit about the backstory behind Flow Water. How did you get started? Was it kind of the environmental concerns that initially inspired the work? Well, that was one of the primary objectives. And, and that's been, you know, a longstanding part of the vision of this company. And it will be for many, many years to come. There's really three big problems that we're solving for or kind of areas of opportunity. One is to radically make progress and ultimately eliminate this single-use plastic water bottle problem that we have and packaging problem. Uh, the second, though, is there's a very significant kind of wellness piece to this as well, which is 70 to 80 percent of Americans are chronically dehydrated. They're not drinking with water. They're either not drinking enough fluids or they're potentially, and in many cases, drinking the wrong kinds of fluids and liquids like sugary, carbonated, caffeinated things that over a long period of time have negative health impacts. And then the third was really just a big idea of transforming the way that consumers drink water and to kind of using my Silicon Valley speak uh, translates into decentralizing and distributing water purification so that you can access the world's greatest tasting, best tasting, best hydrating water wherever consumers work, rest and play. Right. So I read that Flow Water prevents 5.5 plastic water bottles from going into the oceans every second. Is that right? And and how does it manage to do that? That is, that is. So we've, we've saved uh, to date over 320 million single-use plastic water bottles from entering oceans, lakes, rivers, and landfills. The way that we do that is by having a product that people love. So we have 5,000 flow water refill stations out in the United States, primarily in hotels, schools, corporations, gyms, retailers. It's largely a B2B business today, moving to include consumers over the next six months. Mm -hmm. And that's just based on fill volume and usage data that we collect from various customers. Can you walk us through the seven stage purification process? Sure. So without getting into too much detail, because I can get pretty geeked up about all seven stages and, and, <laughs> and burn the entire interview talking about we'll that. We'll do one episode per stage. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that sounds like my dream. I, I don't know that anyone listening would stick through all seven, <laughs> but that sounds like my dream. So the seven stages do fundamentally one of three things. So one set of filters and purifications are just removing and extracting things that are in our tap water. Different tap water across the United States and actually all over the world, of course, contain different micro contaminants, you know, and that could be sediment, could be heavy metals, could be Roundup, and in some many cases it is Roundup. 
pharmaceuticals, herbicides, pesticides. And so several of the filters are just extracting all of that from the water to bring it down to about as close as you can get to a distilled state. And then the next set of filters are reintroducing into flow water those things that you want to have in your water, like electrolytes and minerals and uh, oxygenation, which is really a form of purification. We use ozone to actually purify the tank and ensure sanitization. And then the third set of filters are really finishing filters that make the water, flow water, taste fantastic. And so a flow water refill station could literally be hooked up to a pond and out would come something that eight out of 10 consumers would prefer to Fiji. And so what we're fundamentally doing is taking, in some cases, okay or good tap water and making it taste fantastic and hydrate fantastically. Something caught my eye at the end of the filtration process, which was a coconut carbon filter. Is that is that for taste? That is for taste. And so once you've refined the water and you've decontaminated it or purified it, and reintroduced all those minerals, that final set of finishing filters, one of those is the coconut carbon filtration. And uh, it doesn't taste like coconut, but what it does is it imparts this super clean, crisp, kind of thirst quenching taste to it. And we actually use the husks from coconuts that are then carbonated. And it is in the form of granules that are put into a filter. And we use a very specific source from the Philippines. So, you know, we've got these coconuts that are grown on very rich volcanic soil in the Philippines that are sourced specifically for these flow water coconut carbon filters. Wow. Uh, you know, at the top, you mentioned wellness being an important factor and, you know, trying to get people to drink more water. How, how does, you know, how does flow water make people drink more water rather than, you know, just going to the tap? Well, you know, it's a really interesting question. I, I might answer this even a little bit more globally because I think it's hard to make consumers do anything that they don't want to do, right? And so sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit cheeky, I use a little Brussels sprout analogy, <laughs> which is if anyone prepared Brussels sprouts today, the way that I had them growing up, which were boiled and then served in a bowl, maybe with some butter on it, nobody would be eating them <laughs> yeah. today in the same way that no one ate them. We all hid them under our dining room table years ago <laughs> when our parents made stuff like that. But suddenly, if you fry them, you broil them and you make them taste great, you put balsamic vinegar on them and pancetta in them, suddenly it's like on every menu in America and it's kind of the new hot food. And so I think the way to fundamentally change consumer behavior, and that is both getting them to drink more water and or, and these are not mutually exclusive, getting them to drink less single-use packaged water, particularly plastic water bottles, but corrugated is also really bad for the environment, is to get them to fall in love with something that they enjoy doing and that they like doing and they love the taste of it and they, in effect, just do more of it. It's kind of that simple. Doctors, if they had more time, they would spend a lot more time talking about the basics on, you know, what are you breathing? What are you eating? What are you drinking? Mm -hmm. And on the what are you drinking? That's what we're really solving for is if we can hydrate people and get them to drink more water because they love it, because they prefer it. That's the fundamental way to radically change consumer behavior. My mouth's getting drier and drier as we're speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't slip you a flow water <laughs> since we're so far away. But one of these days we can do this in person and I'll make sure that you get flow water for the interview. Yeah, I appreciate it. 
you know, let's talk about some of the businesses that, that you work with. Uh, are there any specific sectors that, that you work with uh, more than others? Right now, schools are just radically accelerating. And, you know, one of the reasons for that, it's probably pretty obvious, but the COVID pandemic and that school trajectory has grown exponentially over the last 90 days because by all, all intents and purposes, the conventional water fountain is dead. I mean, I, I see no time in the future where a consumer, consumers already had a little bit of a gag reflex associated with water fountains, particularly public water fountains. But if you've got a water fountain that you know consumers are drinking out of and uh, there's a bottle filler on the back, that whole market is dead and is going to be forever shifted as a result of that. And so schools have come to us saying, hey, we have a critical need to provide students drinking water that they can trust, that's purified, free of viruses and bacteria, but it's also touchless where people aren't dribbling over a, a basin with their mouth. And so that's been a major segment for us. Hotels, schools, and corporations as well um, are, are several other verticals. And then you know, over the last 90 days, we've moved a lot more into retail. We are introducing a product that we call Flowwater Multi-Use, mm -hmm. which is a aluminum vessel that comes pre-filled with flow water that you can buy at retail. And the idea ultimately is that if you don't have a bottle for the price of a single-use bottle of water, you can buy a bottle that you use 5, 10, 15 times before you dispose of. It's kind of a gateway to you know wherever you're going because not always does everyone have a refillable on them. And then we're also launching later this year flow water faucet filters for the consumer household so that you can have flow water that's attached to your faucet and have flow water on tap. How do you persuade businesses to adopt these when they might be so used to, say, the water cooler? the traditional water cooler, you know, and, and what's kind of the, how does the price point compare? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it depends on who we're talking to. One of the things that we do, and we don't do this in every section geographically in the United States at all times, because it's a bit difficult to do a free trial in the middle of Ohio. And I'm using Ohio because not pejoratively, but I'm from Ohio, okay. but there's certain parts where it's just not as practical to do free trials. But in many cases, what we will do is uh, offer a free trial and 90% plus of customers that try the product for free will convert into a contract. The majority of them sign up for a five-year lease. So we do sell the equipment outright. Usually to schools, we do sell it because they don't sign multi-year operating leases, but most businesses and hotels and gyms prefer to sign a lease. It comes down to $4 a day. So they're providing coffee or soda for free to their employees or to their guests. Not only are we getting people an option that they prefer to the conventional water cooler or the water fountain, but we're saving them money in the process. Right. And same kind of question for the for the home filter. You know, can you talk a little bit more about the the faucet filter and, you know, why would someone use that versus, you know, a Brita filter, for example? Yeah, it's a great market opportunity for us. I mean, getting into the home market has been part of our plan over the last five years. And we've been very, very focused on B2B verticals and growing two to three X year over year over the last five years. But the other thing that we're solving for is, you know, if you go to your gym or you go to your company and you have flow water freely available to you and you're, you're drinking it like crazy and at five o'clock you come home and you don't have flow water, 
you suddenly realize how much you really don't like your tap water, you really don't like your bottle of water, and you wish you had it at, at, at the home. And sometimes the analogy that I use, it'd be a little bit like if you had a Motorola StarTac phone, but a very old analog phone, if someone gave you an iPhone to use during the day, you would think this is the greatest thing ever. But then if you had to give it up at 5 p.m., you'd realize how crappy your analog phone really was. And so what we're solving for there is we're really taking a consumer base that's been developed over a period of the last five plus years and an installed base of 320 million fills and getting access to more flow water to more people wherever they work, rest, and play. Plus, of course, now at this point, more and more people are at their home and going to be at their home. If you look at Brita, Pure, some of the other players in the market, generally not seen, though, as a brand of water that consumers love and trust and prefer to packaged water. And so what we're doing is we're really taking a product that we have differentiated substantially that removes not only chlorine, but also completely removes microplastics, for example. All the data shows anywhere between 65 and 80% of Americans either don't like or they don't trust their tap water. So we don't have a problem in the U.S., much of the developed world as well. We don't have a problem called, gosh, if I could only find a water faucet, if I could only find a spigot. That's not the problem. The problem is actually people don't like what's coming out of the faucet. They don't trust it. They don't like the taste of it. They don't like how it smells. And so the solution is solve that. Long term, the solution ends up being doing different things with municipal water and infrastructure, but that's many, many decades out. But in the interim, what we're really trying to do is change the last six feet of water line so that you can kind of treat your water twice and get consumers to fall in love with tap water again by uh, adding a flow water device onto their water line. Did the pandemic really shift or, you know, drive the shift into exploring the home market more? And, and how else has the pandemic changed business for you? Well, for sure, it was an accelerant. Starting Q1 of 2020, our plan was to continue developing consumer products and to launch those products into uh, households, not only domestically, but also globally. We are accelerating that. Uh, schedule simply based on, you know, the unmet need in the market and also the greater propensity of people spending more time at home and not having access to a solution. And the other piece is that, you know, we're going to see, unfortunately, I mean, we all hope this is not the case, but, you know, there's going to be most probably economic constriction. And so, you know, the idea of spending $2 or a dollar or $3 on a bottle of water becomes a lot less tenable as time goes on. And it just seems more and more wasteful, the more people are aware of not only their kind of own personal pocketbook, but also what we're doing in terms of decimating the environment in the form of microplastics. And so those things certainly did contribute to an acceleration of getting into the consumer household, but uh, not by a lot. I mean, we already had it on tap to launch consumer products in the early part and first half of 2021. And uh, are there any more kind of next steps for you, for you and the company that you can share with us? There are, of course, yeah. We're excitedly working on IoT, digitization, connectivity of all of our hardware. And so, you know, really over the coming years, applying, you know, some element of of data and connectivity to systems and hardware and testing over the coming years is part of our five-year product development roadmap. We are not only expanding domestically in the United States and working on big national account deals, but we also signed our first international partnership in UAE. Uh, There are about two to three other international distribution partners that we are in negotiations and talking with right now. So we're starting to expand our footprint from domestic U.S. to 
be truly a global business. And then the last thing I'm working on personally is spending some time on developing uh, inroads and pathways to capitalize the company for growth. You know, while it's for many, many, many businesses and many people, these are incredibly formidable times. I also look at this as uh, you know, one of the opportunities that exists is that people care more today than they ever have in the past about what they're eating, what they're drinking, what they're breathing. And we're solving the what they're drinking part of it. Well, good luck with it all. Raz, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. The Swiss running brand On will become the latest athletic company to meet the challenges of sustainable footwear, but with one notable difference. The, the subscription model came from solving a very simple but very important problem. Consumers are not used to giving products back. That was one of On's three founders, Casper Capetti. As far as they know, On is the first brand to combine a subscription-based shoe model with a fully recyclable offering. For about $30 a month, consumers can keep sending back their shoes and receiving new ones as often as they'd like. On hopes that'll achieve full circularity, so the discarded shoes are continually reused to create new ones. Why own it when you can rent it? So that's where running a service or a subscription model came about as an idea. And as a runner, you always want to have a fresh pair of running shoes and you need to exchange it after a certain time anyway. So now, uh, you know, the length of our subscription lines up with when you would have to get a new running shoe anyway. And consumers have an incentive to get it back because they're going to get a new product, potentially even version 2.0, version 2.5. The Cyclone shoes will only be sold in white to save the use of chemicals in dyeing. And they'll be made primarily with the oil from castor beans, which grow in arid parts of India and are not part of the food chain. Over half the shoe will be made from that plant material, including the padding, laces, and tongue. The rest is still made from petroleum-based plastics, but it's a priority to soon develop these parts from bio-based material as they refine the technology. When On gets the shoes back, it can recycle the entire sneaker without having to break up the polymers formed by the bean oil. The shoes will be sent to regional recycling hubs where they're shredded and converted back into the original raw material. And then the cycle begins again for the next cluster of cyclones. As part of its mission to achieve full sustainability, ON focuses on three pillars. So that's super important for us. Our first pillar is the preferred materials. We focus on recycled material and also looking into the future like biofabrication and organic certified material. And the second pillar is really focusing on reducing the CO2 footprint. And the last focus point is circularity. So this is really more looking into the future. That was Vivian Goot, ON's head of sustainability. She says the new shoe is lightweight and comfortable, and since it's under 200 grams, it still performs as an elite running shoe. So one thing I really would love, you know, myself as a sustainability professional, prove that sustainability and performance are actually, you know, complementing each other. On holds 40% of the Swiss market and now claims the US as its biggest market. In June, it logged its highest e-commerce sales to date. Since the company is known for its high-performance sneakers, it has attracted professional athletes like Roger Federer, who joined the company as an investor and design consultant in November. 
Cyclone won't launch until the fall of 2021, when subscribers will get their first deliveries. But the company decided to announce now to drum up a solid subscriber base, which they need to make the circular process effective. They're hoping for around 200,000 subscribers in time for the rollout. And now we'll hear from Fast Company senior writer Liz Segrin on some alternatives to sweatpants and yoga gear. For those of us who aren't ready to put on real pants whenever we head back to the office. I've spent the last five months wearing sweatpants and pajamas pretty much around the clock. But as we enter the fall, I am looking to change up my routine a little bit without giving up any of the comfort that I have gotten so used to. And I don't think I'm alone. As things begin to open up and as we try and take our Zoom attire a little bit more seriously, brands are totally aware that consumers are now obsessed with comfort. And so they have been coming up with pants that look professional enough to wear on your Zoom call with your boss, but that feel like the sweatpants that you've gotten used to. Here are three great pants that are professional enough for me to do a Zoom call with, but that are comfortable enough that I can just sit on the couch and binge watch a show all day. American Eagle has come up with a line of jeans called the Dream Jean. And just like the name says, these pants are so comfortable and they come in a whole variety of silhouettes, but they all are made with this fabric that makes them feel super comfortable when you're wearing them. They also have a line of men's jeans called Airflex that have the same technology in them. So I highly recommend these if you're looking for a new pair of jeans, but don't really wanna give up your sweatpants. The next pair of pants that I've totally fallen in love with come from Lululemon, and they're called the City Sleek Five Pocket Pant. Now these pants look exactly like the typical jean or khakis that you might wear to the office every day, and they come in amazing colors, like a beautiful burnt orange, but they feel like the most comfortable stretchy pants you've ever worn. They're also super easy to clean, and if you happen to get a little bit of your coffee on them, they're easy to get stains off of. They're kind of the perfect pair to wear all day and as you're beginning to maybe head into the office from time to time. They also have a men's version of this pant called the ABC pant. And both the men and the women's trousers are embedded with this material that has a four-way stretch that's super comfortable to wear. And they're all stain resistant, which is really great because you can wear them as you're going about your day at home and spilling a little bit of cereal on your pants. It it's just makes them so easy to wear. But of all of the pants, I think my favorite come from a new startup called Paris. They have created a pant for women that is literally made from the same material that you might find in sweatpants, but they look like the kind of trousers that you might wear into the office. They have called this pant the Patsy, after Patsy Mink, who is the first woman of color ever to be elected to Congress. They're so comfortable that I have actually been wearing them to sleep in occasionally, which is great because I can go straight from sleeping right into my first Zoom call of the day. And for all of you guys out there who are looking for something similar, a brand called Doer has an amazing men's jogger 
that looks polished enough that you can actually wear it to work. The brand is actually a favorite with some writers and editors here at Fast Company. It's possible that staying at home for this long has permanently changed our relationship with clothing. I don't think I'm alone in prioritizing comfort now above anything else. And it's been kind of a challenge finding clothes that feel super comfortable, but that also look polished enough to wear for professional meetings and to go out in. The good thing is that brands are aware that this is the new way that we dress and they've been trying to adapt to our needs with really amazing clothes that look polished but feel super comfortable. That's it for this week. Fast Break was produced by Avery Miles. Be sure to check in with us next week for another roundup of helpful tips and creative ideas to stay positive throughout this challenging time. You can subscribe to Fast Break on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you like this show, please leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for joining us. I'm Talib Bizran.